Products and or services which may be advertised during this program are not necessarily endorsed by the program. Prog Watch. Music that tells a story. With your friend and host, Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. Prog Squatch. Welcome back to Prague Watch, my friends. This is Big Tony, your host, and I thank you for coming along for the ride once again. Also, special thanks to all my supporters on Patreon.com, my patrons of the progressive arts. If you enjoy Prague Watch and it has some value to you, I'd ask you to consider supporting my efforts here. You can find more at Patreon.com forward slash Anthony Rousick or by following the Support the Show link at the top of the homepage of progwatch.com. And that's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H-L, one word, dot com. If supporting the show in that way is not your cuppa, how about sharing my posts on social media? Likes are nice, but shares help to spread the word to a larger potential audience. So I'm very excited to tell you that this week my special guest is Dave Kersner formerly of Sound of Contact, who now works as a solo artist with his own Dave Kirshner band, and with Mantra Vega and Arc of Life. Since we last spoke a few years ago, Dave has released two solo albums and two albums with the supergroup Arc of Life, where he works alongside current Yes and Yes-associated members Billy Sherwood, John Davison, Jay Shellen, and Jimmy Hahn. Let's start the music this week with a track from the first self-titled Arc of Life album. This is Life Has a Way. Life growing shorter With each passing moment And therein lies The balancing act of all our lives For all the promises you Oh, 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 oh,
Again, that was Life Has a Way from the self-titled debut Arc of Life album released in 2021. Now let's listen to a little of my chat with Dave Kirzner himself. So yeah, Dave, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on my program again. This will be like... Thank I you, th- Anthony. Yeah, I, I think this is our third time that we've had the occasion to chat. And uh, about three years have gone by since the last time, though. And But yeah, you put out two albums since the last time we talked. The first was The Traveler in 2022, and uh, that was quite a star-studded affair. You want to tell us a little bit about that album? Sure. Um, Both The Traveler and my latest album, Heartland Minds, um, stem from material that I had going back uh, at least a decade and in the case of the latest album, like three decades. And what I did is so going talking about the traveler, I had um, songs that um, we worked on and around the time when we did Dimension Out with Sound of Contact. They were songs that I brought in that I didn't finish at the time and just sort of kept them. I actually kept them around for Sound of Contact, thinking maybe that we, you know, since we started on it, it sounded good. Uh, but not for the second album though that was different material that ended up on my in continuum albums that project but these were songs from dimensionot that i had that you know didn't need a home so i um and i went back and forth but was like well should i put this out as an in continuum album that's the project that i created to kind of continue the material i had for sound of contact as sort of space rock and yeah. uh, or should it be a solo album so i actually have some people like marco miniman from in continuum on this on my solo album because yeah. of that because i wasn't sure which one and um i ended up making it uh a sequel to new world and also static my second album but especially new world and it sort of ties static into the whole thing where basically there's this character and he um travels in time using his mind so he doesn't actually leave anywhere physically, but mentally he's able to project into different times and influence the time and witness things. And so that character is introduced in my, on my album, New World, uh, the first solo album. And, uh, and there's a song called The Traveler. Um, and now we get to learn more about that character. And there's even things like what we were just talking about, where this character, which is sort of like a fictional character based on me in my fantasies of wishing I could time travel. And one thing that happened to me, ironically, actually, I've never said this, but it happened to me 30, 25, 30 years ago when I was writing the songs that are on my latest album. I um, was driving cross country. It's an album. The new album's about driving cross country. We'll get into that. But, um, and I went to this place, I think it's called lookout mountain. It's on the, along the drive and it's like a grand Canyon, but it's not publicized. And it's just, it's quiet. There's nobody there, just people to see it. Cause it's, there's nothing else around. And I went there, uh, on the drive and, and it was so serene, so peaceful, so uncorrupt by people. And uh, you could just hear like this beautiful, almost silence but just maybe wind and some faint birds or something and uh you really felt like you're witnessing this is what earth was like before there was anything like you know this is because it's just these huge structures and like and the earth you know if you think of it it's like this is this 
rock has been around for billions of years and we're like a little blip and like, you know, it'll, it'll be here after we're gone. And, and it just sort of gave me this time travel feeling. And um, so I wrote the song Ghost Written Fables, which is on The Traveler, inspired by like, well, if this is a time traveler can travel in time, like if you were a time traveler, I was, what would you want to see? And that's a fun question. So one of the things was like, okay, what if you could go really far out into the future after we're gone, just to see what the earth is like, you know? And so... Uh, so that's what that song is about. Um, and it just sort of made you appreciate thinking that way, made you appreciate people, but also like missing them because it's like, oh, there's no one here. And then also thinking, God, how, how sad if we screwed up and we were gone, you know, and we were only around, you know, or we weren't prepared, like we were just saying for a catastrophe or, because we could be, you know, it's, it's like humans are amazing and mind-numbingly stupid at the same time you know like yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> right so yeah. I mean, like we're amazing in that we probably could build a spaceship if we really put our minds to it work together and everything we could we could build one and i mean i don't know but probably and um you know and so we if an asteroid was coming it's like well all right we have a fail we have a plan we get in the spaceship and then the human race survives. But I think that we're so unprepared, not just spaceship or an arc or, you know, uh, cures for diseases and all those things. I think we just would get caught with our pants down and we would just be wiped out quite easily because we forget how vulnerable we are. You Burns know, like, out, yeah. like yeah. a virus could wipe us out. Like you said, if it was more deadly anyway. So I get into those subjects to, but you know, I must say, my music is layered in that it's very, it's progressive rock, un, has underpin, you know, like it's the foundation is classic rock and progressive rock, but it's very relatable and very, you don't even have to like, if someone's not, I know people who aren't even into lyrics, it's not like it shoves the lyrics down your throat and, and, and like it's, it's, um, you can just listen to it for the music. You know, the music is, inspired by uh the beatles and genesis and pink floyd and you know all these kind of um you know the forefathers of the genre and in new ways that are you know sort of modern alt rock angle to it i guess and it just so happens that each song is a story and then each album is a concept album and you could get into it or not into it however deep you want that's good multi-layered more or less yeah let's listen now to a couple of tracks from dave's previous solo album the traveler first up another lifetime then a time in your mind Flies 
the starlight in your eyes from another lifetime. Disguise. 
In the doorway there's a watering eye It sees the truth and all you choose to hide And every fear that you create inside We live on the edge of a knife Another trap, another lie Don't miss out on love in your life You'll never be all alone If you believe
Once again, that was another lifetime and a time in your mind, both from Dave Kersner's previous solo album, The Traveler, released in 2022. After our first short break, we'll hear more of my interview with Dave and more great music, including a few from his brand new album, Heartland Minds, Volume 1. So stay tuned. Hey, Prog music fans, are you looking for hard-to-find CDs, vinyl albums, or music memorabilia? Like original or reproduction tour posters for your collection? If so, check out the Madman's Music Emporium and Gallery. With over a million items in stock, Madman Mike, who runs the Emporium and Gallery, could have just what you are seeking in his online store. And if you don't see what you're looking for there, don't hesitate to email him. After all, it's kind of hard to have a million items represented on the online store. Find the online store at ebay.com forward slash str forward slash Mike's Good Stuff 20163 or email Mike at Fillmore District, that's F I L L M O R E D I S T R I C T at yahoo.com. And if you missed any of that info, find it in the tabs for this episode at my website, progwatch.com. Let's start this part of the show with something from the most recent Arc of Life album, which was called Don't Look Down. This is All Things Considered.
Once again, that was All Things Considered from the second Arc of Life album, Don't Look Down, which was released in 2022. Now here's more of my chat with Dave Kirzner. So you mentioned a new album, Heartland Minds, and it's also a star-studded affair. But, uh, definitely seems different, and I'm not surprised that you mentioned that you wrote those songs many years ago. Because uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoy them both a lot. But The Traveler was definitely more like a prog, classic prog album, whereas this one seems a little more toward classic rock. You know, there's, there's, uh, yeah. you know, was, was that conscious or I guess now we know you've said that you wrote a lot of this stuff before, but it seemed like there was a lot of stuff that seemed like it probably originated on guitar versus keyboards. You know, can you just yes. talk about that whole thing? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm, my main instrument is keyboards. I'm mostly known as a keyboard player. Um, I play, I played keys with, with uh, sound of contact with Simon Collins, Phil Collins son, and with uh, arc of life, which is a band with members of yes. And I see the yes background. So I, I know that you love yes, as I do. And um, yet I think of myself more as a songwriter than anything else. And so um and producer like that those are my main things and then i can play keys i can play guitar not as well but i can play and i write on guitar and i like to write on guitar for a few reasons um one is uh the way that the guitar is it, it's different to a keyboard player keyboard players think of music linear you know like lowest note down here highest note down here guitar like a six string that's six of those chromatic you know scales and so and they all have to you have to different formations and you have to deform your hand and get calluses and all this crazy <laughs> stuff to a keyboard player i'm like i'm not i'm not getting calluses on my precious fingers so keyboard players approach guitar a lot of times in a different way and that can be a good thing so for instance i'll do alternate tunings or i'll do my own voicings and i work with great guitar players like fernando perdomo matt dorsey um randy mcstein and anytime i um show them my chords like what chord is that what what is that <laughs> you, you, know, you made it up i'm like yeah. no it sounds good to me so I, I go i do it by ear so i like that and i also like that i am sort of in the dark more whereas i i grew up taking piano lessons and learning piano and i i do take stabs at things that i don't know what i'm doing on the keyboard but not as much because i can look at it and see what chord it is relatively quick whereas it would take me longer and i don't even want to know i'm like no no on the guitar it's like let me just feel the rhythm and and give me like the harmonies which are sometimes a little more complex than i would even come up with because there's six strings and you know with keyboards it's like okay you've got maybe four notes and bass notes and it's a different thing you know you don't have the bass notes on the guitar but you have um these kind of interesting chord and rhythm things. So anyway, bottom line is th th there's that reason. And also the fact that you can grab a guitar and go with a keyboard. It's like, you can't just grab a Mellotron and go, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, or a Wurlitzer. I mean, you can grab a little portable keyboard and I use those, but those aren't the same to me. When I write songs, I like to write on an electric piano or a, a real piano sound, you know, it's some, something it, it could be, it doesn't have to be, it can be digital, but it has to be like weighted keys for me, you know, for writing. I, it doesn't have to, but I prefer it. And then, um, unless I'm just tinkering around now, I've got these little, I mean, I work with a company, IK multimedia that makes little portable keyboards and they're handy for like laying in parts and, and doing that kind of stuff. But that to me is 
a second stage activity. There's a first stage activity for me, which is I'm either on a guitar or I'm on a piano and I'm thinking melody and I'm thinking lyrics and I'm thinking, you know, of the song, the core of the song. And then the bells and whistles are after, you know, everything else can be, you know, with software and with instruments overdubbed and stuff. So anyway, so, you know, when I wrote this album, initially, you know, the, the core of it, 25 years ago or so, a little bit more. And I was in my twenties and, um, I was going through, I had a bad breakup and I was sort of disillusioned in LA and why I was there. And like, what do I really want? Do I want to be famous? Do I want to make it like everybody's there? It's so desperate to be famous. And I'm like, well, no, it's not really that it's more, you know, and I went around trying to get record deals and got turned down and stuff like that. Oh, it was always something like, you know, you don't have the right singer. And I wasn't the singer. So it's like, yeah, we don't like the singer. We love the songs. We don't like the singer. It's like, all right. Even with Kevin Gilbert, I worked with Kevin. We tried to get a bigger record deal and they wanted him to do a duet with Sheryl Crow. And he told them to, you know, F off. And then, you know, that went out the window. I mean, it's just, it's almost like a comedy. And so some of that comedy is in the album as well about how silly it can get with, you know, fighting for fame and whatnot. And, but, but on a serious note, I just kind of, um, you know, just felt like, you know, my purpose of wanting to be in the music business is not for ego gratification. It's not to be famous. It's not even to be rich, although there's not, I don't have a problem with that, but it's not for that. It's to uh, genuinely to give the world back something that I value that I got from my favorite bands that put out albums. It's a lot of work to make an album, and I'm grateful to Genesis, to Yes, to ELP, to King Crimson, to the Beatles, to Steely Dan, all these bands for making these classic albums that are like the soundtrack of my life. But as much as I love to listen to those classic albums, especially from the 70s, I feel like the world still needs new fuel, new music to listen to. And it can be done. It's just done a little bit more obscure. You got to seek it out these days or on shows like yours and hear about it, word of mouth. And uh, I want to contribute that because to me, it's just like, there's just nothing better than a new album to listen to on your drive to work or while you're working out or whatever. You, you want to chill out and just escape that's what I create. I, ca- I create escapes for people, you know, like a little audio movies or something, you know, but that's a long winded way of getting, why, why do I write on the guitar? But anyway, I love writing on both and the guitar was portable. So I took it with me on the trip and it was very, it was a tool that was able to um, ca- encapsulate a very personal thing that happened to me at that time going through these little adventures and decide making these big decisions in life like where should i live you know what do i do about relationships should i maybe not go for crazy women maybe not you know and all these different things you know and it was like it was it was great because i wasn't i was thinking more about lyrics and i got that from kevin gilbert uh who's a great lyricist and thinking more about story and less about the notes and how many notes and getting all fancy with like I might if I was in a sort of Tony Banks frame of mind you know uh, it's like I that's what the traveler was like actually a bit more like that and so this other side of me is like okay well what if it's not about keyboard solos and it's not about 
fancy chord changes or anything like that, but it's about melody. It's about story. It's about heartfelt, real things that you could relate to and opening up a bit more. Cause I tend to do yeah. like sci-fi themed albums that have some of me in it, but it's got this protective veil of, Oh, it's science fiction. And it's like, well, what if I take that away and just go, this is my, this is, this really happened. I mean, it's yeah. embellished, but, but it's based on all real stuff. So. Yeah. I got that impression very much from this album. It's more, uh, down to earth, I guess would be a way to say it. Uh, and I did hear you mentioned like Steely Dan. I, I mean, I hear shades of some of those bands, like Steely Dan and some of that stuff in there, which I very enjoyable to me, without a doubt. It's not like you're regurgitating Steely Dan. It just had like kind of certain song. I can't think of the title off the top of my head, but it, it just had like a vibe that was like, well, this is kind of almost like Steely Dan, which is great in my book. <laughs> you know, you know it's kind of funny. People... I tend to be like, I don't, you know, like they have that, those, because I mean, everything you listen to that's, let's say, progressive rock, modern progressive rock has roots in yeah. bands that came before. I mean, there's very few that are just brand new, like, wow, it's not like anything I've ever heard before. And that's right. cool. I'd love to make a record like that someday. But instead, what I do is I embrace my roots, the, the influences. And, you know, I'm very conscious of, I always do it in a way that's genuine in the sense I make it my own and I know what I'm doing. I know when it's getting a little steely Danish or it's getting a little Pink Floydish or whatever it is. I know that. And I celebrate it and I'm just conscious of making sure I'm not doing something that sounds like a second rate regurgitation or a copy or something like that. I'm giving it a spin. And that's exactly what the Beatles did. And every Pink Floyd did with the Beatles and the Beatles did with Little Richard. And That's how it works. You take an influence and you give it your view, your, your spin. So, yeah. uh, but that said, I don't try to, I'm not pretentious in that I try to hide that or anything. I do the opposite. I celebrate it. So when I'm giving a tip of the hat, that's a way to put it, or a nod yeah. or a wink to Steely Dan, I'll get Elliot Randall from Steely Dan to guest on the track, which we did on Back to One. That's the one that's the most Steely Danish on the record. Okay. I'm like, let's get and, and it's kind of like um, you know, on this album and this it's a series, so this is volume one. Yeah, I was um, gonna ask about that. Yeah. It's it's like road trip music. So it's even more gratuitously diverse and sounding like classic rock that you might listen to on the road so like all right you know we're on this is a long trip we're going to vegas or we're going wherever so put on the whole steely dan uh complete you know thing and okay that's a couple hours and um you know so it, it, it evokes i wanted to evoke that feeling of you're going to listen to some stuff that's kind of folksy and acoustic you're going to listen to some funky stuff you're going to listen to some heavy you know and it, it kind of uh it it's represents the mood of the drive because sometimes it's just there's a sunset and it's like beautiful and other times it's pouring rain you know and you can barely see in front of you and all those different dynamics of a drive and then of course it's a metaphor for life because that's life some days are sunny and beautiful some days are a total you know hurricane and uh but so it has it's very dynamic and it kind of goes through the weather and even there's the eye of the storm the song eye of the storm which is literally about the weather and uh but a metaphor of course and you know all these different things so yeah you're gonna hear 
hints up a lot, way more than usual with me because of that road trip music thing. And I'm also, by the way, I never announced this, but it's not terribly bad to say. Um, I'm going to release a covers album to go along with it as a companion in the next two, three months, whenever I can get it done, of just actual like road trip music that I would listen to, but us covering it. So like whatever horse with no name or something or or some pink floyd and some different things with with us doing it and as it's like so if you are going on a road trip you could pop on some of my albums one of the covers albums and you know you would have a soundtrack <laughs> cool cool let's check out some more of dave kersner's most recent music right now first i have here and now part two from the traveler which I will follow with Back to One from his brand new album, Heartland Minds, Volume One.
again, that was Here and Now, part two from Dave Kersner's previous solo album, 2022's The Traveler. Following that, it was Back to One from his brand new one, Heartland Minds, volume one. After our second short break, we'll hear the rest of my chat with Dave and a lot more of the new album here on Prog Watch. Let's kick off the final third of the show with a couple of great tracks from the new Dave Kersner album, Heartland Minds, Volume 1. This is When the Heart Sinks Like a Stone, Another Miss Broadway, and Worlds Apart.
Once again, that was When the Heart Sinks Like a Stone, Another Miss Broadway, and then Worlds Apart, two great tracks from the new Dave Kirshner album Heartland Minds, Volume 1. Now let's listen to the rest of my chat with Dave. So how about all the all the different guests you have on this album? You want know, to talk about, you know, any particular people? Or did, did they shape, you know, did they help shape the stuff? Or did you set out and say, hmm, this sounds like, like you mentioned before, this sounds like Steely Dan and I'll get so-and-so, you know. Uh, I mean, it's uh, there's always like a common, there's always a collaboration of some sort. I mean, I I tend to write all the lyrics I do. I write all the lyrics and most of the music, like 90% of it, at least, you know, and then there's like 10% that just kind of gets changed because someone, you know, um, contributed parts that I wasn't thinking like, uh, I mean, you know, there's just different parts, especially Fernando Perdomo, who's one of the main collaborators that I, I've worked with on all my solo records. Um, but also Matt Dorsey from sound of contact, um, got, you know, his, uh, he stuck into a few things, uh, like pushed me out, for instance, which is a short little yes inspired track on there. It's a little moment of like fragile esque, um, uh, and uh, you know, of course, Durga McBroom. <clears throat> I got I went a little more deluxe with the backing vocals. So Durga and her sister Lorelai McBroom both sang with Pink Floyd for many years, and um, they're great. And we got Emily Lynn. And so I have the three of them. And again, you know, when called for, it could be either very Floydy or, or kind of Babylon Sisters-ish, you know, a little bit as well, yeah. 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 which is great. Yeah, and is. Um, <laughs> I had uh, the rhythm section. So I, I had um, uh, Derek Cintron, who I've worked with a lot on drums, fantastic player, local player from Fernando Perdomo's history. And then uh, also Alex Cromerty and, and Stuart Fletcher from Montre Vega, another project that I had uh, transatlantic with the UK. They're on a few tracks uh, because we actually recorded those when we made the Montre Vega record. I was very productive when we, when they came over across the pond. So there's a variety of players. I mean, and then there's, there's actually, uh, I used some of the tracks that I recorded in the nineties on ADATs, these machines that used VHS tapes for digital. They actually sounded yeah. good. So I have Lyle Workman who played with Sting and Beck and Jellyfish, um, Toss Panos who played with Steve Vai. And he also played with Kevin Gilbert and Toy Matinee. Um, and those were tracks that were recorded. Mark McCrite, those guys all recorded, um, you know, back then, and then I still had them, and, and I was like, I want to, I'm going to use these. It was harder to make the album incorporating all that, but to me, like I said, it's a very personal album. It's, it's kind of like a, it was a bucket list thing to do because I was like, all right, I knew it was less prog, I knew it was, you know, just a little left field, a little different, you know, but quirky pop. It, you know, even when I play with Kevin Gilbert, it's actually more like that style, thud the band that we had, which was yeah. very prog infused, but singer songwriter kind of at the core. And that was his thing. And so, and I worked with bands like crowded house and same thing, you know, they're, they're a big influence as well. Neil Finn um, using like Mellotron type sounds and Chamberlain's, but it's Beatlesy pop, you know, and the Beatles use that as well. So, I mean, some people think the Beatles and queen and bands like that are also prog Led Zeppelin, but either way, I don't, get hung up on genre names. Yeah, Those definitely. are all great bands to me and have done really creative, cool things. And um, I want to keep that 
alive with, you know, those sort of sensibilities and, and those kind of um, arrangements and different, different things that they might do, any of those bands might do, and just keep doing uh, stuff that has those qualities. Like I use Chamberlain's and, and, um, and Mellotron's on the album still. Yeah. And, yeah. So anyway, but there's a lot of great players. I don't actually, do, I don't look at it more like how you're saying it, where it's like, there's just this impressive list of, you know, I, I, I'm just very grateful and very fortunate to work with, in my opinion, whether they're famous or not, all of them, the, the best of the best. They're really great. Everybody's great at what they do. And so, and very cool about it too. Not just great at what they do. Like there's a lot of great musicians out there, but you can't always just hire somebody who's going to love it. You can hire great people, great people to do it, but like you, you have to just be, know them and and have a connection for them to love it. And that I think is a difference, you know. Like when people play on my music, they really love it. They want to. It's not even about the money because there isn't a lot of money in the, in the genre anyway. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, because some of them play with bigger artists where they make more money, but it's like they there's a love and, and, and an enjoyment that we all get out of working together. that's it, priceless to me. So, but that does include some of the big name people that I've worked with over the years, like Steve Hackett from Genesis or Keith Emerson or, you know, um, rest in peace, you know? So it's, it's um, always because there's some kind of like even Elliot Randall, you know, I, I for, I'll give you an example. So, Elliot Randall, I've known him for years. He's been very supportive. He likes my music. He comes out to our shows and everything. And I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Steely Dan and a big fan of him. And I've always wanted to work with him. But I wasn't going to do it just to do it. It had to be the right moment. It had to be appropriate. And this was just like, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ask him. And I also know Don Felder from the Eagles. And I helped him out with something at one point, And he kind of owed me a favor. And I was going to ask him to play on this song, Dirty Girl, which is very Eagles-like. But Fernando Perdomo, which happens often, did such a great solo that I just didn't need it. I'm like, all right, you know what? We didn't need it. I may, someday I'm going to call upon you to do us a service. (laughs) Someday (laughs) I'm going to ask him. But, (laughs) you know, but only if it fits, you know. And so that's how I operate. It's just kind of like, well, you know, famous or not famous, big name, you know, unknown, doesn't matter. What matters is that I have a personal connection with that person and I can see how what they do will fit with the song. And the song and is more important than all of us, you know? And they're enjoying working with you the way you're enjoying working with them instead of just being like a session player or something. Yeah, that's that's yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned before, it's volume one. So uh, volume two, this story continues. Uh is it, uh, or will there just be a volume one? You know, you, you, no, or, no, or there's a volume the two and, and a volume okay. three. Really? But, uh, but the volume two is, it's kind of funny, like how, and I love this part about it, actually. Like my previous albums had this sci-fi element. And this one, as you said, is more down to earth, but it's still trippy so um and metaphysical so basically what happened was since it's autobiographical i had this album um i uh wasn't able to finish it i just i i had such a high standard um 
after working with Kevin Gilbert, a bar up here, I was just like, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be the lead singer. And I tried out other singers and stuff, which I have. There's demo versions with other singers and the box set version. And, um, you know, it wasn't until Sound of Contact where uh, I could really see that people do like my songwriting and production and things that I do. And I was like, and then when that kind of fell apart, I'm like, all right, I just got to be the lead singer. I mean, I, I just have to sing my songs. And, you know, everything changed from that moment. I went from being behind the scenes producing and, and, and keyboards and sound design to the front man. And I'm like, all right, this feels good. I like this. This actually feels genuine, you know, to sing your own lyrics. is That's great, you know, um, and feels good. So, but I had kind of, you know, I, I knew I was like, all right, I'm on a roll here. There's a a developing sound that people are getting into from Dimension Odd to New World to Static is a little left field to the Traveler, which kind of brings it back to the keyboard thing. And I'm like, all right, people kind of get where my main gravity is as a keyboard modern Floydy Genesis prog guy, or if you want to call it that for simplicity. Uh, now it's time to just bring out this other singer-songwriter side and roll up the sleeves and finish these songs properly, which I can do confidently now. Um, I uh, so I you know I had to I could express myself better now, knowing what I was thinking then, you know, like than I could then. So I knew yeah. what I was trying to say. I was like, all right, you're, you're, this is this needs a bridge and this needs, you know, clarification and, you know, knowing where to be. It, there's a whole balance and art to, you know, where to put message, where to be poetic and where to just sound good. And somewhere in the middle is like what you want in the end, not to be like, I need it to be understood. It's like, no, you don't. You know, like it just you can leave room for interpretation. It's all that stuff. So I did that. And but while I was doing it, I worked with a guy who, uh, named Eric Nielsen who does videos with me, video work, and he does that a lot with people. And I was like, all right, let's 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 film a, a drive cross-country. Let's do another drive. And at the time, I was just about turning 50, and I was going through a midlife crisis to some extent in that I was dating a girl much younger than me and just thinking I was, you know, invincible and, and younger than I really am. And... Um, and then while we were doing the drive, she broke up with me. And I had a feeling like, and, and it was one of those things at the very beginning, I thought, oh, well, this, you can't take this seriously. She might want to have kids and I already had kids and this will never work long-term, but you know, if it's just for fun, sure. But don't yeah, fall in love, don't fall in love. And like, sure enough, I fell in love. I was like, man, this girl's awesome. And then <laughs> she pulled the rug out from underneath. I'm like, didn't you see that coming? I mean, like, like, did you forget? So I, I have done that. I've learned since then, actually very in a great relationship now, but at that time it was just like, it wasn't as devastating as in your twenties when you were, she was my fiance and then did the backpedaling thing and the whole music industry thing. She got interested in a record deal and she, you know, and this girl was also a singer. So it reminded me of that. It wasn't, and it made me sad. So, but it also made me think about the kind of things that happen in the midlife crisis and the same sort of dangers of be careful what you get yourself into. And especially if you're playing with fire, like the heart, and you fall in love, then what? 
because it's all fun until you know someone gets hurt so um and i um wrote a bunch of songs about that so basically long story short volume two is both a continuation of the original story and the story of revisiting the story later on in life so you get the two yeah. layers and it's like mm -hmm. time travel but in real life yeah yeah that's neat a little wisdom under the belt and you know you can look at a little less emotionally the, the previous one but then sort of the same thing happening well, there's, <laughs> a third, there's a third layer which third. is now and so now you know i was very in the pandemic i i um was alone and uh after it was ending i was like all right i need to like get out there and like you know otherwise i'm going to be alone and i was very picky uh, you know in terms of like no nah, that sounds like something i've been through before this night and then i i um i'm not saying this is the secret i pretty much got lucky but you know i i waited and of course there was the added thing of like is it worth risking your life for if you meet somebody in person during COVID, it's like is this worth you know me getting COVID? uh but anyway so i met somebody they actually had COVID. she had COVID. And so we couldn't even meet. So we just kind of talked until the, the COVID went away. And then we went on our first date after we kind of already knew each other. And we get along great. And it's a very healthy relationship. It's very, you know, she's closer to my age. And it's just, it just feels right. It's just a much better situation. And um, so now I can look at, uh, you know, it's like funny, like, let's say within the last seven years that I had been sort of thinking about revisiting this album, I can look back on that me and see the flaws in my thinking of the relationship choices and the, and the life choices that I made then. So that's even a younger me. So yeah. I, now I'm finally the older me and, you know, <laughs> I can look back on, on the layers of, of time and, and relationship and different things um, that I've been through. So th it's an autobiographical tale that really spans life, um, yeah. which is rare, but, yeah, I have to be grateful for those heartbreak moments in a weird kind of way, because it's like, well, you gave me something to write about, at least, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life gives you lemons, make some lemonade. Um, yeah, it's almost like the traveler, like you were saying, you know, where you can look at it from, you know, from now back, you know. Yeah, interesting. It, it ties in in a way. Yeah. I have time for one more track from the new Dave Kersner album. So here's Dirty Girl.
Again, that was Dirty Girl from the new Dave Kirshner album, Heartland Minds, Volume 1. So I hope you enjoyed listening in on my chat with Dave Kirshner and catching up with a lot of his most recent music. I thank him for taking the time to chat with me. When I post this show to my website, progwatch.com, and that's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H-O, one word, dot com, I will have links that you can follow to find out more about Dave, his recent solo albums, The Traveler and Heartland Minds Volume 1, and his two albums with Arc of Life. At progwatch.com, you can also find lots of other cool stuff like links to Rob Fisher's reviews on Progressive Discoveries Weeks, as well as all my social media links, my email, and ways to subscribe to the show. You can even listen to any episode I've ever done right there, search for any artists I've ever featured, and find a link to my Patreon page if you would like to help support the show. Oh, and I have info on the Madman's Music Emporium and Gallery if you're looking for CDs, albums, or music memorabilia. So until next time, be well, support the artists, and prog on, my friends. (laughs) 